If you own a business, you know how difficult it can be to get new clients. But what if you had your own sales team? BNI Somerset invites you to join us on Thursday, September 23rd to learn about how BNI Somerset provides a positive, supportive, and structured environment for the development and exchange of quality business referrals. Struggling to find more paying clients or want to take your business to the next level? Our group of business owners have passed hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of business to one another. Want to know how we did it? On Thursday, September 23rd at 8 a.m., we're hosting an event on Zoom where we show you exactly how BNI Somerset generated client after client for one another and how you could begin to apply the same simple steps to your business too. The reality is, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. BNI Somerset is incredible for building your personal brand and ensuring you are known. Join Somerset BNI's Visitor Day on Thursday, September 23rd at 8 a.m. via Zoom. All are welcome. For more info, visit BNIWNE.com backslash CT dash Northern dash Somerset dash BNI. Businesses thrive by changing when the world changes and the world is changing. BNI Somerset can make sure you don't get left behind. The college football season is coming back, and we got you covered on every game. We're breaking it down on each snap all season long. Catch us every week starting on August 4th. Joe McGuire, Sean Scanlon, Jace Garcia, and Nurse Truly, Obi Muniz, giving you the highlights, predictions, and current rankings. Visit our website at hhwshow.com and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's all four downs, part of the CMG Sports Podcast Network. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jace, Clover Crest, top three corner men, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got your missing weight, feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand in eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bring in crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurious curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats, relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Throwing Jabs. Day early, prepping you up for fight day tomorrow. But first, let us talk about the fights that happened last week. Let's recap. Oscar Valdez retains his WBC Junior Lightweight title by a close and controversial unanimous decision. We'll, we'll talk about the judges a little bit. But, Joe, what did you think of the fight itself? Well, uh, look, you know, we we talked about uh, you know, Robson can say so uh, not not being not to be taken lightly here. Uh, we know what a good fighter Oscar Valdez is. He's still one of the best in the world. Um he turned it on late, you know. Uh can say so looked pretty good in the in the early going, which 
we'll talk about the apology because uh, that that ref didn't see any of that apparently. Uh, you know, this was a, a, again one of those where, you know, I think if Consensao was uh, a Teofimo Lopez, Valdez could have been in real trouble in this fight. You know, he's fortunate that that I think with his experience and and his skill level. He's a better fighter than Conceso is, despite, you know, his great uh, amateur and, and Olympic career. But, um, yeah, Valdez was was definitely uh, playing with fire early, really turned up the pressure. And, and I mean, won this fight, I, I would say, Jared, 115-112, 114-113 for sure. It was definitely, this was a close fight. I had no doubt when it was over, Oscar Valdez had won the fight, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I felt the same way. Um, but not dominant. Not like I thought he would be. I figured him to dominate. I said take the under. That was obviously wrong. This is a back-and-forth fight. Uh, that being said, it was one of those, there were enough swing rounds to where there were a lot of 116, 112, you know, even 114 apiece, like I'd have been, I'd have been cool with a lot of different scorecards based on the way that I saw the fight, um, which is with a lot of swing rounds that, that were very close. That said, Valdez won the fight. We got the right guy at the end. Let's keep it moving. Can say, can say better than we thought he was. Uh, I'm interested to see where both guys go from here, which doesn't always happen with a winner and a loser. Tito Ortiz, I'm, not really interested to see where he goes from here. If you know what I'm saying, some guys win and other guys lose. But this one, I'd watch both of their next fight. These guys are both going somewhere. One of them has a gold medal. They don't give those away in cereal boxes anymore either. Yeah. No. You know, so this no, was a good fighter. You are right. And uh, we'll talk about Tito Ortiz a little bit later. But but for me, like I, I had it as a draw because while Valdez did come back and he made those adjustments – like I mentioned last week, I love him fighting under Reynoso. That combination has been good for him. He he made the adjustments he needed to to win those rounds late. But I, any one of those were were swing rounds, like you were saying, Jared. The only real dominant round went to Conseil. So I, I I I saw it as a draw because of that. Or or, or I, I honestly wouldn't be that mad if. Consegal got it, but the that's so. But I I understand where it happened. But the seventeen to ten card that was ridiculous, and the judge even said it himself. Judge Stephen Blay, uh, his statement on WBC.com. Uh, I have watched the fight thoroughly analyzed it the 17 to 10 score is not accurate and does not represent the actions in the ring and i feel i have let down my federation the nabf my organization the wbc and most importantly our sport and the fighters inside the ring i mean he it was despicable the this card and I, an apology isn't enough the, this dude he, some other action needs to be taken by the WBC if they want to be a legitimate organization, which I, I don't – that's a whole different conversation. But the, the, it was a mess, and I, I'm, I'm very upset. What did you guys think of this? Two more rounds different from the other guys? 
I get that it's not a great scorecard. How I feel is he wasn't supposed to say that. We had a more ridiculous scorecard we we covered three, four weeks ago where the, the judge came out and said, hey, 250 fights, that's the first one I've had controversy, and I stand by my scorecard. And that's exactly what this guy was supposed to do. You're telling me you can't watch that fight and call it 117, 110? It's a struggle. I'm not saying that's an easy card to end up with. But at the end of the day, like I said, there were enough swing rounds where if you had it 116, 112 either way or a draw, I'm not going to have any problem with your scorecard. It was that kind of fight. The Rigondeaux fight was like that. Depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, look, we've seen... A lot of bad scorecards. This, I mean, again, the two rounds, it, it, I don't think it would have made a difference. Uh, I I don't completely disagree with you, Jace, but again, I think at the end of the night, I think anybody reasonably scoring this had it 7-5 for Valdez. Um, and it wasn't, like Jared said, it, it wasn't a dominant performance, but again, at the end of the fight, I knew Valdez won. We knew the better fighter, I, yeah. I felt Valdez still won that fight. I didn't love it. I wasn't like, yeah. I, I mean, he got it taken to him. And again, listen, Conceicao's a good fighter. He's a really good fighter. He spent a lot of time fighting for gold instead of coming for a, a, an actual gold belt. He was he a pirate? Those, he likes those medals that hang around your neck. I mean, that was kind of <laughs> his motivation and more power to him. But this is the big boy league now. and as well as he fought just it wasn't enough and and let's be honest you're fighting a fighting the WBC junior lightweight champion you got to take the screws to him if you think you're taking that belt home uh Whoa. at the end of the night and he did not he didn't do enough to do that he certainly uh i think has the argument for uh let's run this back I, I know, uh, you know, in his heart of hearts, he's looking for the the winner of the Herring-Stevenson fight. Those guys are certainly tough to get on your dance card anyway. Uh, so let's see what happens. I mean, whether or not people are happy with this and, and think that this gets him a crack at, at a top-tier guy. I don't think either guy was able to stand out as the winner or the loser. Like I said, I'd like to both see them both again, but I think they both still have some work to do before we put them in that conversation. Uh, rematch? Uh, I don't know. And that's that, that judge wasn't supposed to say that. I reiterate, you weren't supposed to say that, even if you believe it. You weren't supposed to say that because you're already being scrutinized. Did that make you feel better? Did that make you feel better, Jace? You said, it's not enough. Like, if he hadn't done that, you would have been like, it's a bad scorecard. Like, he, he it only made it worse. To, to He didn't just take ownership. Like, that was that was mushy. I let Wait, down the... Did he yeah. say he let down the WBC? I mean... How do you even do that? Right? <laughs> what a joke. No. Dude, that's the most corrupt organization uh, on the on the planet, dude. You got a better chance with the Illuminati. You know what I mean? These guys yeah. are... It's like putting guys, the grass on the ground. Yeah, look, there's a pretty good chance that he showed up and his scorecard already said 117. <laughs> that I believe. Um, but yeah, listen, it, 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 this, this fight, this fight was close. It wasn't close enough. His scorecard didn't make a difference. It's not like it was a split decision. No, it was yeah, unanimous. Yeah. 
and and he came up on the short end, and it's a bummer for him. Yeah, but uh, I mean, regardless, that was a phenomenal fight, and even if they do run it back, that would be great. I'd be fine with that. I'll watch it. Yeah. Uh, I think they both, whoever they fight, I think would be entertaining. But now let's talk about uh, entertainment, not entertaining fights, with uh, the Triller Legends, with uh, Vitor Belfort. Uh, I don't even know if that's a knockout. Just, just that was that was a the, that was a, that know, was a vicious assault of an old person. <laughs> yes, I don't. If I, if that happened outside the arena, Vitor Belfort would be in prison. True. That should have never happened. Jared and I kind of had a, a discussion about this already. This is where this thing gets stupid, and it goes off the rails. Uh, Evander Holyfield, and I love this guy a lot, has no business being in a ring with an athlete uh, who's still capable. He, that that should not have happened. Didn't have the balance to throw a punch. Throw a serious counterpunch. Hey, they stopped it early. I know you guys might not agree with that, but the way I feel is like, Joe, you're right. Shouldn't be happening. Tragedy. Would have been arrested somewhere else. No business being in there doing what they're doing. And I heard there were talks of the last one of these being exhibitions. Well, you need to be honest with the public then if they're exhibitions and we're buying pay-per-view. If they're fighting, if we've passed all of Joe's points, if we passed all of those and we've come to the conclusion that we're going to let this guy fight, then by all means, you better let the guy fight. Because I went from being pissed off at you as a humanitarian to being pissed off at you as a fight fan. Because you let the guy in the ring to fight and then you didn't let him fight, and those were both mistakes. I don't care what which side of it you're a fan of. At this point, you've lost all all, all around. You've lost that. And this is this is an American icon. We don't need to see him missing a punch and throwing himself out of the ring. That's that's who does what pro fighter does that with their balance. I see it at scrub scraps all the time. You don't see that very often where you just miss a punch and can't balance yourself, but you could see that about him. All of that said, he was covering up well, and he had another old man expending a lot of energy, and I was, honestly, he didn't get hit with anything clean. He protested very stably the stoppage, and I was uh, a little bit at that point interested to see. Would I have signed off on this? Did I want it to happen? No. No, it doesn't make sense. We should be giving these this to the names you don't know. You know, all of this fanfare and financial kickback and the magic that happens with boxing, Evander Holyfield doesn't need any more of that. We're giving him another taste of that, and it's it's like uh, tainting his legacy as opposed to adding, adding anything to for any of us. Like, what is this? If it's not for his skill level, then why are we doing that to another human being? This is is cockfighting. This is the worst. This is uh, ancient Roman gladiator stuff. What are we doing? We're just paying 60-year-olds to beat each other up? It's not even that. Stopping the fight early? It's not even that. It's a (laughs) 60-year-old on short notice against a juiced-up Vitor Belfort back on TRT. 
That that's what that was, and that was ridiculous. That you're right. That is that gladiator stuff. That's that. Like I said last week, that's that WWE stuff. You know the it, vice it president. Has, don't put boxing on it. It's not boxing. This the vice president boxing. of Scrub Scrap says to me all the time, "That's what Scrub Scraps has that none of these other things has." This is why those things don't work, and what we build has because uh, you build it and build it, and it's for the fighting. And it's for the skill level of the fighters. And then you end up with a 58-year-old guy getting his ass kicked. And it's like, this doesn't have anything to do with the skill level of the fighters. Then why are we, why are, Why do they have to be a Vander Holyfield and Jake Paul? Well, I'll tell you too. I thought Anderson Silva and Tito Ortiz, I mean, again, that was a complete mismatch. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I mean, again, right. I know the way you do things in Scrub Scraps is that you're trying to put guys together that belong together. And Tito Ortiz, I mean, listen, Anderson Silva, uh, a month and a half ago, uh, beat uh, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. for crying out loud. For real. Uh, Anderson Silva knows how to box, Tito Ortiz knows how to throw fists. And uh, it, it was that was a, an incredible mismatch. But if I'm, mention, in, if I'm at Scrub Scraps and I'm sparring with all of these guys, if you'd actually sparred with these guys, you would have matched Tito with Holyfield and Belfort with Silva. And Belfort probably would have suffered the same fate. And Holyfield may have suffered the same fate, but they're better matchups. They're much better matchups. Picture if those shots that are coming uh, at, at, uh, that Belfort is hitting Holyfield with. Picture that's Tito Ortiz because there was a similar situation in the beginning with Silva. It's just that Silva countered his way out of it, and Holyfield wasn't able to find that punch yet. Um, but yeah, just just a horrible, horrible matchups. It's all of these things that make this stuff not work, and it sucks because there's so many parts of it that are working so well, and then you do stuff like this, and it slowly starts to deteriorate into every other boxing thing that didn't work. I'll go back to Jones versus Tyson. If you told me they were going to pull punches and dance for eight rounds, I would have been fine with that. I love Roy Jones Jr. As I've professed many times, I certainly appreciate and, and respect all Michael. Michael Tyson has done. Ooh. I would, I would have, I would have been interested to watch that if they would have sold it for what it was and, and not try to make it like, the fight 20, like, get out of here with that crap. 28 years in the making. Yeah, stop that nonsense. Like, let, let's get serious here. You know, if you're going to, if you're going to start, if you're going to continue to do these, let's make sure we're putting people together that should be in a ring together. Same thing with, with uh, the Paul. There's brother. no way to do that. There's no way to do that. No, so, well, yes, there is there a way is. to do that. It's called Scrub wow. Scraps. Exactly. Or not somebody, somebody should be actually running these things from a boxing standpoint and weighing in on that. And and someone that's already been doing it, I think, would be the perfect guy uh, to be involved in that. Shared show. training camp with an honest trainer who's going to say, we don't want these guys in the ring together because a 58-year-old man's going to get hurt. Shared training camps. Intermural matches where the guys are all in the same divisions and in the same, hey, the same reality TV house. I don't care. As long <laughs> as long as there's somebody actively with them every day because there were guys actively with Holyfield every day. I don't care. 
what they say. There are people close to him that knew this was going to happen. You're right. I, I do have the perfect solution for this, though. The perfect solution. Get someone. I'll, I'll break apart this fight card. For Belfort, you start a, a Legends TRT division. Just juiced up guys. Get him like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> there you go. They have to fight guys in that division. Evander Holyfield, get him with the Mike Tysons, the Roy Jones, the, the grandpas. And, and you can have those fights. And then Anderson Silva with like uh, uh, Oscar De La Hoya. I know that fight's been going on. Something that still might have a little bit going. It's in still you don't know what you're getting. You you're still right. Don't you're know right. What you're getting. The Roy Jones versus Evander Holyfield. The Roy that fought what, Mike. But versus the Holyfield that was just in the ring. No. No. About that. No, Those are different guys than they used to be. I don't Vitor Belfort against a great grandpa. I don't want that. I want something at least that they. I, Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson, they would have done that spar stuff with Holyfield. Vitor was just back to TRT Vitor just going out there looking to kill. I, I want Supply and demand. You, that shouldn't have happened, but... Hey, you're I, casting You're casting Forrest Gump too, right? Okay. You're the caster. Who do you want? Who are you going to Who are you gonna try out first for the role? For Forrest Gump? Tom Hanks, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the best one. And then two is going to be another really, really famous celebrity, Leonardo DiCaprio maybe or something, right? You're going to get the biggest name you can get because that's directly going to affect the marketability and the bottom line of your project, isn't it? Yeah. As long as these guys are looking at it like that, we're going to end up with crap like this over and over and over again because the fill-in name that they could put on that card, the Tom Hanks, for this fight was Evander Holyfield. And when the dollars and cents are right and you put them ahead of, you know, things like human lives and, and morals, you're going to end up with this stuff. And they'll keep pushing it out there and keep people will keep paying for it. And it's unfortunate until somebody gets a handle on it and regulates it, which needs to happen. We're on our way. Hang, hang tight. You, you're <laughs> right. And, and you want to know what really was the first uh, rendition of this? It was Tito Ortiz and Chuck no. Liddell 3. No. What? Uh-uh. The first of the modern day of what what's become this Legends League? That was the that was Oscar De La Hoya making that, and now it's become this. That that's what that came to. That's what that was the start. Tito Ortiz getting it with the old. That was the start of this Legends League stuff, and that was atrocious. But that goes back. That goes as back as. Gold, you can go all the way back to, to guys fighting Hulk Hogan and and Zeus, and there were there were all different kinds of guys from no, MMA no. and over into boxing. You're right, but this modern push started there, and that's where Oscar De La Hoya was going to be on this. That's he started that, and then Jake Paul came out with Triller, and they formed that connection. So he started this modern push for this Legends League. And I'm going to put him on blast because 
just as disgraceful as that Vitor Belfort fight with that Vander Holyfield was, that Tito Ortiz fight with Chuck Liddell three, that was just as disgraceful. And Chuck Liddell, I mean, Tito Ortiz, after that, after that money grab fight against Are you talking about Ken Shamrock Silva, he's coming back and he wants Logan Paul. It's gross. Tito Ortiz. Hey, I, I thought you were this great businessman after he was on The Apprentice and he was cool with Donald Trump. No, you're you're grasping at these gross fights to try and stay relevant, and it's disgusting. But can we? Can we? First of all, can we stop doing that when you lose? Woodley did the same thing. Hey, imagine what part two would be like. Yeah, you won't be here because you lost. What the hell are you talking about? Tito Ortiz, yeah, let's entertain our fans. Who wants to fight you? You didn't, like, shut, like, no. And that's the thing is the allure's gone. You want to know why, why, uh, why gangsters and rappers don't box for the most part? Because it only takes once for all of that to kind of lose its allure. If Ronda Rousey stops fighting right before the Holly Holm fight and goes into WWE, she's a totally different beast because you still have that persona. I saw you get kicked in the head and wobble around in a circle and fall down. I don't care how much you yell at me, Gene Okerlund. There's, there's, there's a <laughs> uh, you keep saying your vitamins and eating your prayers and it doesn't make you any tougher is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, I get where you're coming from. I yeah, was uh, earlier today watching John Jones and uh, uh, DC Cormier going, going back and forth here <laughs> and there. Uh, it was a, uh, it was great. And, and, uh, I remember before they finally did have the second fight, which would eventually be ruled a no contest. Uh, Daniel Cormier was, was telling, uh, John Jones, he called him a junkie, he told him to shut his mouth. He was going to beat him up. Um, and, and John was like, dude, the same thing that happened in the first fight is exactly what's going to happen <laughs> in the second fight. And true to his word, despite getting, you know, popping out. I mean, he went out there and he, and he did what he said he was going to do. Um, and that's generally how rematches go. So I'm not generally, um, especially if the guy I thought was going to lose loses, unless you have like a Rocky versus Apollo moment. I'm not interested in watching you run it back again. I don't know. You know how, how adamant I was about Marvin Vittori getting another shot at Israel Adesanya after the second fight. You haven't heard no, me bring it up since. Yeah, no doubt. Marvin Vittori, <laughs> Marvin Vittori clearly is not good enough to beat Israel Adesanya. I thought after that first fight that he had the blueprint that yeah. maybe he could pull it off. Everything leading up to that fight told me, yeah, he could. Fight ended, nah, no chance. Uh, Masvidal Usman, here's another great example, right? Uh, Masvidal had all the excuses in the world. Looked pretty decent uh, in that second round just before he got his lights turned out. And I, I loved after the fight, Masvidal said, guy's got my number. There's yeah. no reason for a trilogy. Jorge knows there's not a reason for a trilogy. Sometimes, sometimes that guy's better than you. He proved it that night and doesn't need to prove it again. Tyron Woodley doesn't need to box anymore either. He no. didn't look that great. And for a guy who clearly was a step up from Ben Askren, 
wasn't much of a step up. Show from me ben one. Please show me one person, not in Tyrone Woodley's camp. That's like I'm really interested to see where this boxing career goes. This uh, he did some things in that fight that I think we could build on, and and the the trainer he pays maybe his promoter. <laughs> I can't think of a lot of people that would be clamoring. Nobody wants to see you fight again. That's what I'm saying. You're like Tito. You're embarrassing yourself with this with this tweet. Let's go out there and give the fans what they want. Oh, you're gonna like go to rehab? <laughs> uh, the, right. I want to watch the loser, the loser Paul brother against uh, you know washed up. Tito Again, right, a washed-up guy Silva who just around. got knocked out by a guy who's smaller than him for crying out loud. Get yeah. out of here, you Did bum. you guys see what Dana said about Silva? It's time to re-visit re, re, uh, the conversation about him being the GOAT of all-time mixed martial arts. He beat Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. The other thing he said is, uh, you don't see any of the Ball brothers calling out Anderson Silva. No. And uh, one of the – he said something about a Paul brother saying something about making weight. Anderson Silva can make weight. Jake? Ooh. Jake? That Jake. Means... Oh, I my was other, dying. My, Look up my, that Dana White uh, video. I saw it, oh, Jared. I saw I it, and crying. I think my other favorite moment was when he said he never calls out UFC fighters, but if there is one guy he had to throw hands with, it would be Tito or Tito. Tito. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he actually cut weight for that fight. Tito didn't get his contract. They were supposed to they fight. Were supposed to box. Yeah. Yeah. Way back when Tito and uh, Dana were supposed to box. Maybe I, I don't know. Dana might want that now. But that was funny, man. Yeah. Yeah. Dana said, that "I and mean. I tried to fight him. I tried to fight that guy. What have you ever heard me talking about another mixed martial artist like that?" When he said it, I was like, "Damn, that's true." He said he boxed Tito. He hasn't before. After that, I have never heard him even sound like a fighter. But that guy all boxes. <laughs> Tito Ortiz. Come on, Tito. I'm ready for Tito Ortiz. I'll put on a few pounds. Let's give the fans what they want, Tito. <laughs> Tito is a joke right now yeah but you want to know what is not a joke mosquitoes so make sure you protect yourself with mosquito shoes it's been a pretty wet summer in connecticut and that means more mosquitoes than ever if you didn't have your home service for mosquito control and find you're spending most of your time outside sweating those little pests you are in luck Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut provides the best value in mosquito control services because of how they treat your yard using the Mosquito Shield Tailored Treatment System. They don't use a fixed schedule or an identical product one-size-fits-all service program because you can't control mosquitoes on a set number of sprays or visits. Unlike the competition, Mosquito Shield of Central Connecticut will service you for this season whatever it takes to provide superior results. This promise has awarded them an industry-leading consumer retention rating of 90%. Visit MosquitoShieldCT.com to schedule an appointment with Wade the Cesare and enjoy the rest of your summer mosquito-free. That is Mosquito Shield. Make sure to visit www.MosquitoShieldCT.com to sign up for their services and make sure you tell them Throwing Jabs and Clovercrest Media sent you. So now let us get into the who you got. And we just had a it, it was a, a mess. We talked about it. I mean, or Tito Ortiz looked really bad. 
Uh, I mean, we had Anderson Silva, Tito Ortiz, both out of their prime. They met in the boxing ring. But that brings up the question, what would be the best best boxing match between two MMA fighters in their prime? Joe, who you got? It, to me, you could make this fight. You could make this fight legit today because uh, it's real. Uh, Peter Yan and Max Holloway. I would love Ooh. to watch those two guys in an actual boxing match. Wow. Love that. That's a good one. That's really, really good. What you got, Jared? Oh, man. You guys know how literal I am with everything. So an MMA fighter is someone who fought MMA, right? Yeah. Antonio Inaki. Does anybody besides Tony know who Antonio Inaki is? I do not know that name. It's a mixed martial artist uh, Japanese fighter that fought Muhammad Ali when he was 33 years old, laid down on the oh. ground for 15 rounds and threw leg kicks. Ali threw six punches the whole fight and ended up with a draw. So fighting out of the blue corner, Muhammad Ali. And uh, he's fighting Holly Holm. No, um, who uh, obviously, hands down, is the number two on this list if I'm doing that, but I'm making a fight. And Holly Holm can't fight uh, Muhammad Ali. The problem I have with this is I'd say in their prime, my other guy is lighter. He ended up heavier, but he started, I think his prime, he was probably super middle a cruiser, probably cruiser was his prime, you know, coming up to light heavy. And then he ended up a big heavyweight and then he got his ass kicked by. Wait, before you spoil this, I'm pretty sure Jace thinks you're talking about Anthony Rumble Johnson. And I know you're not. No, I'm not. Do either of you have a guess who that is? Uh, I'll tell you who beat him if you need a hint. Go ahead. Randy Couture. Uh, what's his face? Fedor. James lights Man. out Tony. Oh, James Tony. Yes, Just sir. Fighting Muhammad Ali in my pro MMA fighters in their prime boxing match. Tony and Ali. I love it. Damn. All right. Uh, I really wanted you to find a way to get Holly Holm in there. Uh, oh, I tried. That's uh, I, that's what I thought you. That's hey, Mia St. John did MMA, and I thought about it. So, all right, okay. But for me, you know, I gotta go with the big boys. I got two guys that, in their prime, known for their gas tank and known for just getting at it in the middle of the octagon. I think they could put up some, put on some gloves. Head into the ring and just play rock'em sock'em robots for twelve rounds in the middle of that ring, and that is Stepe Miocic and Kane Velasquez. They would have been a great in their prime in the octagon. I think it would be just as good in the boxing ring. I, I, I think yeah, just rock'em sock'em robots, middle of the ring for twelve rounds. I can see that going. Again, dude, boxing. real quick, as I, I was I also watched the the Stipe and uh and Cormier trilogy earlier today. And uh 
you know, it's funny in, in the, you saw the end of the second fight and, and a lot in the third fight where Stipe kept changing levels and was effectively blasting fat boy Cormier in that belly. And I mean, it, it, it really, you know, I, I love DC. Don't get me wrong. And I'm, I'm just joking a little bit here, but uh, it always amazed me at, at how incredibly out of shape that guy was. And to see Stipe just sort of focus in and work the body, I thought, oh, that's not good for DC at all. Yeah, um, Stipe's technical ability is underrated. It's amazing. Yeah, it really only, is. The only reason DC knocked him out in that first in that first meeting was because of the clinch and his just Greco-Roman background. But when Stipe was able to just keep it, keeps DC off of him, and he was just picking him apart, and that's why why he won that trilogy. But if that's what we're if that's what we're doing, uh, you know, the best boxing match between two MMA fighters. Like I had the best boxing match between two MMA, fighters, but the best boxing, you know, is say it different. It's all about the emphasis. But if we're doing that, can I have Nate Diaz and Jorge Masvidal? Oh yeah, you oh, can. Oh my goodness. You can, although we saw it. Well, I guess we didn't see it in their prime, right? In their prime. Oh, and a boxing prime, match. Bro, right? A boxing match in their prime. First of all, nobody's stopping that thing. I want to see it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so we barely saw it. Don't don't forget how that ended. That was a joke with that. That's fuck. why I'm saying. I mean, as I, as I reflect I, I on it, yeah, we didn't that. see it for, for long enough. Uh, and it was really just starting to get good when they stopped it. Hell yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Run it back in the ring or, or in the octagon. I, I'm I'm buying it, but uh, now I just real quick before you before what that decent segue there. But the one before that, Jace, I gotta, yeah, I gotta. I he, he says Tito Ortiz is a joke. You know, it's not a joke. Mosquitoes, my man. That was, yeah. dude, I was laughing. Yeah. I was still had the camera off when he came back on. I was composing myself. That was hilarious. Great yeah. job. Well Mosquitoshield.com. Tell them that the boys at Throwing Jab sent you. But now let's talk about fights tomorrow night. Starting off, Bellator 266, Davis versus Romero. Yo Romero's making his Bellator debut against Phil Davis. I, I mean, it, it, this is a Bellator fight. I, I mean... It could either be great and have an awesome knockout, or it could be a snore fest with Phil Davis just laying on top of Romero forever. But I don't see that happening. I think Romero, let's not forget, he's a silver medalist wrestler. So I think he gets Phil Davis off of him and uses his explosive power to get the knockout. And I think he still has a little bit left in the cage. And I wanted to see him in the light heavyweight division in the UFC. But uh, if he's got to do it in Bellator, he can do it in Bellator. So I got Romero getting it done. Joe? Uh, I mean, are you forgetting that Phil Davis uh, was an All-American wrestler at Penn State? No, yeah. Yeah. He's a beast. But Yeah. I'll tell you what, you know, it's funny as earlier today as I was, I was sort of deep diving Phil Davis and I thought to myself, his, the last eight fights of his MMA career in the UFC, he went four, three and one. He lost to Anthony Johnson, Rashad Evans and, uh, and Bader. And 
then the UFC sent him packing. I thought that was kind of weird. I mean, this was a guy who, um, you know, a pretty good fighter. And I, I feel like uh, Phil Davis never really got a chance. Yoel Romero had so many chances in the UFC and came up short oh, wow. each and every single time. And I'm not sure why Phil Davis wasn't sort of given that same courtesy. He can beat uh, Leo Machida like nobody's business. He's really good at that. He did that again uh, a couple years ago. And, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I, I like I like Davis in this one. I'll tell you the truth. Well, well, you want to know why Romero was given so many more chances? It was because he, he has that knockout power. Phil Davis is... He isn't, exciting like to watch. he isn't like a Khabib where he will wrestle you and just pound you into the ground. He's more like a, a Josh Koscheck. Uh, I didn't like this guy's gas tank in his mid-20s. My biggest problem with Romero is while he had all this ex explosive athletic ability, those explosions took away from the gas tank to an extent that you weren't getting enough production from him or volume from it when it came to strikes in the, in the, in the actual lockdown. So I always had a problem with this gas tank. Now he's 44 years old and he's fighting a really real well-rounded guy. I don't see the clinch, the ground, the stand-up. I don't see a place where Romero really excels and is better outside of that explosiveness. And how much do you have of that at 44 years old? I'm taking Davis all day. I'm surprised the line's only like 130, 140. Romero loses to Davis. last fight was for the belt in the UFC. Granted, it was coming off of like three He lost off. four of his last five yeah. fights um, and and uh, had beaten Chris Weidman before that. So let's <laughs> be honest. How good is that even? No. Yeah, you're right. And you always liked Romero. I know you I did. know. I, I like I love Romero. I did too until he started losing to everybody. Now he's like Paul Acosta. I mean, you know, listen, I, I appreciate guys where it's where we could look at him and be like, look, look, he's fought all the best. Yeah, but he lost to all the best. Which you yeah. know what that means? It means you're that a, a whole level down because figure one and two are elite. And then two through five, two through six. Those are guys that are legit contenders. If you've lost to all of those guys, hats off to you, but also you're just not that good. So you beat you beat Rockhall by knockout in the third round. Your next three fights all went to decision. You lost all three. Two out of those four, you missed weight. Yeah. So, yeah, had some chances. Lost 40, won last one fight in the last five years. This is just this is Davis all day, man. I like Dude, Davis. I I just Yoel Romero. I, I'm excited to see him at light heavyweight. Uh, I think he'll get it done. I think he's a gatekeeper in the UFC, which I, I think can make him at the top in Bellator. And so yeah, I'm I, I love Romero. Yeah, I do. And so, but I would listen. I, I would hate to be a can. gatekeeper in Bellator because. <laughs> Here's no, 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 no. You're right. You're right. I'll tell you why. All they're gonna do is find the best, the best possible guy they can, and that's who you're fighting. Wow. And that guy, if that guy beats you, that guy's probably gonna go hang out with Dana White in the UFC. If you win, nothing doing. You're just the best fighter in Bellator. Okay. 
Here it is. Davis lost his last fight. You guys know that guy's name? Nemkov. Uh, yeah, the Russian yeah, fellow. Nemkov. Yeah, Nemkov. Yeah. Okay, that's actually his last loss before that, four fights prior. Right? Who's the last guy to beat him not named Nemkov? Ryan Bader. Bader. Ryan Bader, 2017. Twice. And he'd beaten him twice. He also beat him in 2015. So, so he Bader, lost. Yeah, Bader and, and Nemkov uh, are, are four of his six career losses. How about before that? When's the last time he lost a fight? Anthony Rumble Johnson in 2014. And in 2012... Rashad, Rashad Evans. Evans. Yeah. yeah. So come on, man. These are Dude, that's... Phil. I'm telling you, Phil Davis gets zero Shakes. respect. Talk about a guy who's wow. not only fought the best, but has also beaten some of the best. And just again, I know he isn't very exciting. I don't, see. Here's the problem. His, fight, his the... fifth and sixth fight. Sorry, Brian Stan and Alexander Gustafson were his fifth and sixth fight. Yes. Get Dude, out of here. Fight, win win. Yeah, Jared, he showed up taking fights. Tim Bosch and, I, I mean, again, and Antonio Nogueira, and he's 9-0. and You fought why? Bosch, Nogueira, Gustafson, and Stan, and you were 9-0. and He doesn't this have knockout power. Ridiculous. That is, I mean, this is ridiculous. Again, when he's I fighting tell you, guys you can't knock out. Yeah, I'm not interested in knockouts. I don't feel like a knockout really ever tells the real story. No, I, right. I would. I would much rather two guys banging out for five. I know who won those fights. Yeah. I know yeah. who the better fighter was at the end of that. And you just talked about it. Cormier coming out of the clinch and knocking out Stipe in that first fight. Fluke. And Stipe yeah. said it, it said as much, called it a fluke. Yeah. And said, I'm going to go in there when I'm beat the daylights out of him. And he did. And then people were like, well, he did. Go, well, we'll do it again. And the same thing happened in the second <laughs> fight as the third fight. Stipe beat the living bejesus out of him and, and left Cormier in a, in a, in a pathetic crying heap. More Michael Moore and George Foreman could have fought a hundred times and Moore would have won every single round of every one of those fights. But the line at the end of that said Foreman by knockout. That one time they did Foreman by knockout. So I agree with what you're saying there. Sometimes I'd, I know what happened if I get to the decision and there's not a, and there's not That's a why I judge. don't love Francis Ngannou. I mean, again, him and Stipe fought twice. The first fight was a five-round domination. The second fight was a knockout. I don't know. Again, in a big boy ring, had that thing played out for five rounds, would Stipe have won that fight? I would say probably. I would have put my money on Stipe. I'll still put my money on Stipe. Yeah. I need a guy. Uh, listen, I, no, I need a guy. I need a guy with skills. I've talked about Tank Davis. He's great. He's got the knockout power. Like I said, the the fight against De La Cruz. Try doing that to try doing that to Pacquiao or to Loma or to Crawford, bro. Before you got your fist near their chin, you would have a fist in your mouth and you'd be out cold. Or Jalortis Jr. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you got to work your guy in every time. But you're absolutely right. You're, he belongs not, on that list. You're, I, I won't disagree with you. Thank you. Um, and you know, but and again, you know exactly what I mean. There's guys that are elite where there you you're not getting away with that against the big boys. You're so, right. 
So going in there and 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 if you're listen, if your game plan is is to knock somebody out, I'm putting my money on the other guy. I don't care who you are. Mm. You need I, a game plan. You need a worked out body. You need to get that jab going. You need to effectively counter. If you're just gonna stand there and wait for an overhand right, I'll take my I'll take the other guy all day. I'll take Curtis Blades ten more times against Rosenstrike or Nganu. Hey, JJ and Ridley and Sander are always talking about this guy. He had like 18 fights, 18 knockouts. His last fight, he went all four rounds, but you say they were all first round knockouts. I can maybe it's not that many fights, but he's younger guy and every fight won by knockout in the first round. And you could see it. Second, third round, he was kind of unsure how to adjust and keep winning the rounds. Bombs away, and then it doesn't work. And now what? You know? So, yeah, one step at a time with those guys. Listen, if you batter me around in a boxing ring for seven rounds. Yeah, listen, batter me around for seven rounds, then knock me out cold. Then That's your knockout, Jace. But I also know for seven rounds that you got dominated, and then you knocked him out. I'll take both of those things. I want to see. I want to see actual fighting before I get a knockout. I say that almost every week when when guys are fighting. I almost want to see some of these fights. You know where you know where hey, a third round knockout. I'd rather see it go seven. I'd rather see you get beat pillar to post and then get knocked out. That's even better to me. That's a statement win. Work them over, Diego Corrales and Asalito Freitas. Let me know who the better guy is. Oh. But I, I Dude, mean, Garcia Campbell, another great example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another great example. Garcia pre-COVID. Yeah, that fight's over in the second round. Over. No, but going back to the Bellator fight, Romero, I mean, he he does look for that knockout, but he's also really good. Like his fights with Whitaker going the distance, those were close fights. I'm and not Whitaker sure he ever beats Davis. Piece, but uh, no, you think he beats him now at yes, 44? Yes, because Davis. No, See you next Davis, week, big dog. <laughs> Chase, Chase, nah, they kept man. they kept Romero in the UFC for as long as was feasible. You're right, and he. I mean, I feel like Dana did everything he could to keep Romero relevant. And to put him in position to, to to get fights that he could win. And his his rewarding of Dana was to show up overweight and to put right. in lackluster so efforts in, at, in his last couple now fights. Now he's at light heavyweight. <laughs> I, I think this is perfect for him, the move to Bellator. Like you said, he came in overweight the past couple fights, moving up that weight class. And also he was begging Dana for the Anderson Silva fights. He wants these big fights. That's why his last fight was that title fight, which he shouldn't have gotten. He wants these big fights. And Bellator, even though they aren't as big as names, they are still names. And I think this is going to set him up, and he he will be solid in Bellator. I just he's like going to be he's going to be boxing Tyrone Woodley in his next fight, Chase. Uh, I the don't ship think has so. sailed. But uh, <laughs> I, I, regardless, I think that's going to be. Uh, even if Phil Davis wins, I think it's he's just going to smother him and wrestle him. I don't think it's going to be that fun of a fight. Uh, I, I'm hoping Yoel Romero knocks him out because I think that's the best like casual fan outcome and people would like to see. But now let's talk about the best fight, the fight of the night, UFC's fight of the night. Anthony Lionheart Smith versus 
Span. On Saturday night, live from the Apex in Las Vegas, it's UFC Fight Night 192, the main event. A light heavyweight bout between former UFC light heavyweight championship title challenger Anthony Smith and rising challenger Ryan Spann. Let's break it down. Ryan Spann is 30 years old. He's six foot five with an 81 and a half inch reach and a record of 19 and six with five knockouts and 11 submissions. From Memphis, Tennessee, Spann began training in martial arts at a young age and after high school competed as an amateur, compiling a record of three and one in the welterweight division before turning pro in 2013 with a rear naked choke of Aaron LeBurne. He won his next four with three submissions before suffering his first defeat, a first-round knockout to Brandon Ferrerin. He bounced back, winning five of his next eight before appearing in Dana White's Contender Series in 2017, where he was knocked out by Carl Roberson in the first round with a barrage of elbows. After submitting LaMarcus Tucker via rear naked choke, he scored back-to-back -back knockouts of Myron Dennis and Alex Nicholson before making his second appearance on Dana White's Contender Series, this time defeating Emiliano Sorti with a first-round guillotine and getting a UFC contract. He made his promotional debut on September 22, 2018, defeating Luis Henrique by unanimous decision and followed that up eight months later with a first-round knockout of Antonio Nogueira. In October of 2019, he submitted Devin Clark with a guillotine choke, then won a close split decision over Sam Alvey before engaging in a wild brawl with Johnny Walker, dropping Walker heavily twice before going for a takedown and getting stopped by a barrage of punches and elbows from above. Six months later, on March 13, 2021, he returned with a performance of the night victory, dropping Misha Serkinov in the first round with a left hook before finishing him with ground and pound. Long and athletic, Span uses his size exceptionally well, picking his opponents off at a distance with his solid kickboxing and is even more dangerous on the ground as evidenced by his 11 submissions in his 19 victories. Anthony Smith is 33 years old. He's six foot four with a 76 inch reach and a record of 35 and 16 with 19 knockouts and 13 submissions. From Omaha, Nebraska, Smith dropped out of high school in his senior year, getting work as a concrete finisher and taking up Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and making his MMA debut on February 29, 2008 with a second-round armbar submission of Dave Moran. It was rough going for Smith in the early stages of his career, going 14-7 and seven and suffering six knockout losses before signing with Strikeforce, where he debuted in 2013 with a second-round knockout of Ben Logman. In his next fight, he was knocked out in one round by Adlin Amagov and won his next three by stoppage before getting submitted via triangle choke by Roger Gracie in the final event held by Strikeforce before it went defunct. He lost his next two by submission, then put up an impressive seven-fight winning streak with six stoppages before making his UFC debut with a unanimous decision over Leonardo Guimarmez. Eight months later, he dropped the unanimous decision to Cesar Ferreira, but then won his next three by stoppage, including a third-round knockout of Andrew Sanchez before taking on Thiago Santos, where he was stopped by a vicious liver kick followed by grounded pound. After knocking out Hall of Famer Rashad Evans with a knee, Smith headlined his first event in which he stopped former light heavyweight champion Maurizio Shogun Rua with an elbow and followed that up with a rear naked choke of Vulcan Ozademir. 
On March 2nd, 2019, he challenged John Jones for the light heavyweight championship, getting dominated from the start and losing via unanimous decision, despite Jones being docked two points for an illegal knee. He came back four months later, beating Alexander Gustafson by rear naked choke, then lost two of his next three, a TKO loss to Glover Teixeira, a decision loss to Alexander Rasik, and a triangle choke victory over Devin Clark. On April 24, 2021, he defeated the up-and-coming Australian Jimmy Crute with a brutal leg kick, which rendered Crute unable to continue. A well-rounded fighter who combines crisp kickboxing with excellent Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Smith is a rugged and dangerous brawler, equally as dangerous on the mat as he is on his feet, having his last nine victories coming by stoppage. Will the explosive power and five-and-a-half-inch reach advantage of Span be enough to keep Smith at bay? Or will the iron will and dogged determination of Lionheart help him grind out another victory as he eyes another shot at light heavyweight gold? Tune in Saturday night to Smith versus Span, and let's find out. All right, Joe, can the 51 fight former light heavyweight title challenger Anthony Smith come out victorious against the Contender Series alum? Brian Spann? I doubt it, and I'll tell you why. I I, I think this is a really interesting matchup. Uh, Spann started his career 10-5, and five, kind of pedestrian. He's 9-1 and one in his last 10. Uh, Lionheart got off to an even worse start. He was 5-6 and six to start his MMA career. He's gone 30-10 and 10 since. So... Uh, you you got a couple of you got a couple of really good fighters here. I think a couple of things about Anthony Smith that concern me. Uh, number one, uh, in in uh, May of 2020, uh, Glover Teixeira literally knocked his teeth out of his mouth uh, as he sat there on the stool between rounds. Uh, he literally complained to his corner that his his teeth were falling out. April 5th of 2020, uh, uh, an intruder, a 21-year-old former high school wrestler, Luke Haberman, <laughs> broke into Smith's home. And Smith, uh, according to the police, said he he fought this dude for five minutes. And, and he said the intruder took everything I gave him, every punch, every knee, every elbow. He took every single one of them, and he just kept fighting. He called that the worst fight of his life uh, with the toughest fight of his life. And here's what kills me about that. <laughs> it was in your home while you were defending your wife and child. You're a professional MMA fighter. <laughs> the, the cop should have shown up and that guy should have been tied in a pretzel with his arms. Things, things should have been twisted in ways that you would have thought could have never happened to a human being. Instead, Smith was just able to kind of hold the guy off. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about that because uh, Ryan Spann, uh, I think this kid is absolutely terrific. Uh, nearly scored a huge upset of Johnny Walker. He dropped yeah. Walker twice. And to me, I think Johnny Walker is going to be the next big thing. I don't know how it hasn't happened just yet. Um, but, yeah, dude, I, th I think Ryan Spann, I think this is where he becomes a player and a legit contender 
uh, in the light heavyweight division. And Anthony Smith continues to be a gatekeeper. I suspect this one goes the distance. It'll be a decision, and I suspect it'd be a close fight, a 3-2-4-1 sitch. Yeah. All right. I don't, I don't even need to go. That. That, Joe. Yes. That. Ryan. Time. Span. By decision. Love it. No, yeah, and everything you said. Yeah, I don't. I well, well done. Very eloquent, Joe. See, that's Spend a lot like of time on this show. one. Yeah, make it easy. <laughs> no, yeah, the, this I Ryan Span's gonna win if he can like dominate from beginning to end. Uh, this kid's for real. This is gonna be a real test for him because uh, Anthony Smith is tough, and to get through him is a a big big. Uh, good notch in your belt to have. And if Span can dominate him, he he could find himself in that light heavyweight title picture sooner rather than later. But Smith, he's not only just tough, he's very, very smart. I love what he can do uh, on the analyst desk for ESPN as well. Uh, He's very smart when it comes to it. So it's very, very tough. Uh, I I do have Span. Uh, Joe, you you nailed it on the head. The prediction Span in a close decision, but if he can dominate it, Span this kid's for real. And this kid, and if I'm Blockowitz, I, I I'm serve. I'm watching carefully if this kid can handle his business convincingly against the Lionheart. But now, Jared, you want to make us some money? I know we don't got the graphic today. Oh, no graphic because we already covered it. It's Phil Davis. Okay. Take Phil Davis. He's at minus 140. I don't see why not. I was going to put my boy Matt Bissett on this. Uh, He opened at minus 400. He's at minus 600 now. This is a very, very obvious bet. But at minus 600, I'm not really giving you anything everybody doesn't already know. Phil Davis to win. Minus 140. I I like it, even though I'm on the opposite side. I'll take the opposite side, and next week, who knows? I, I might be bragging a little bit here, but uh, we'll see. Fight of the night. Who you got? Who you got, Joe? Uh you know what? I'll be honest. A uh, fight of the night. I don't know that I've. Uh, I don't know that I got one. I don't know that I got one of yeah. beyond span and and uh, that's really the one I want to see. Just because I I, I think yeah. that the light heavyweight division <laughs> is as interesting as it's been since John Jones stepped out. For sure. And and I think right now this is the best the light heavyweight division's been to where if John never comes back to it, I think the light heavyweight division has enough great fighters right now that the division's in really good shape going forward. So I, I'm really curious to see if, if, if span can make his way. He's right now ranked 11th Walker's ranked 10th. Uh, I just, I like what's going on there. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the, some of these up and coming guys. Prohaska uh, is my mm. dude. Yeah. So, yeah. I I'm loving this. I think this will be a, a super fun matchup. All right, I, I I'm with you there. It's gonna be great, Jared. You got a another fight you got your eye on? 
Uh, yeah, this almost went on the puncher's chance. Okay, now the over, the over under is six and a half rounds, and it's a coin toss. They're paying you the same thing for the over as they are the under. 50-50 shot, it goes over six and a half. You keep that in mind, you have a plus 425 Roman Gorst. It's a heavyweight fight. He's knocked out six out of seven wins. He has one loss. Cash Ali also has one loss. I'm taking the upset here. I didn't want to put it on the puncher's chance because I'm sure more sure of Phil Davis. But uh, this should be a great fight. And Roman Gorse could pull it off against a young upstart heavyweight, Cash Ali. Worth okay. watching. For sure. All right. Uh, I like it. Well, for me, my, my Father Night is going to be the co-main event on the on the UFC card. Eon Kutilaba against Devin Clark. Both those guys are – it's nothing great, but they're both on very similar levels. So I do think it will be a solid fight. Both those guys, I think, fighting to get ranked or, or climb the rankings. So uh, it should be interesting. Uh, I think that goes decision, and it is going to be very entertaining. As well as Neiman Gracie uh, on the Bellator card. Whenever a Gracie's fighting, people are going to tune in because of the name. So, do you know Vic, uh, Vitor Belfort started his MMA career as Victor Gracie? And yeah. They forced Fraud. him to change it. So, yeah. <laughs> Whenever a Gracie is fighting, just out of respect for the sport, I tune in to watch it. But now we're going to end the show with. Jared, hitting us with that flurry. All kind of a roundtable discussion here for the most part, but uh, a sink full of dirty dishes. The other day I saw a sink full of dirty dishes. And so sit for a second, guys, with the feelings that you get from a sink full of dirty dishes first, just, from, just for a second. And uh, then I want to ask you if you've ever washed one dish. Just made a meal, put it on a plate, fork, your cup, then washed your dishes, put them in the strainer. One plate. Ever done that, Joe? No. It gives you perspective, and there's a lot of other things I've been through that I feel like give me perspective that don't other people don't have a lot of perspective on it. and I started thinking of a sink full of dirty dishes now if you have a sink you have running water you have running water and that's more than half the population of the planet have you already you can already cut it in half you're doing better than half with the sink part if it's full you had other people there you weren't alone you had enough to make it overflow if they're dirty, you had food, the thing people fight and kill and die for more than anything else, the thing people suffer without. You had enough to dirty a whole sink full of dirty dishes. If you have enough people around you and enough food and running water and you're living plentifully enough to create a sink full of dirty dishes, Congratulations, you know? And that's how I felt standing there the other day, looking over my sink full of dirty dishes. Congratulations, because you had to put a lot of things together in your life 
for that sink full of dirty dishes. If you've ever been without water, food, people to share with. I knew a hungry guy that I gave a soup that had the soup stolen from him. And when the kid was on the phone, he took the phone from him and he smacked him with the phone enough times to put his life in danger. He went to the intensive care unit. 19 cent soup. Because when you're hungry, you're going to eat. And there's things you're willing to sacrifice. And at some point, I feel like we get so... I don't even know what the word is. That a sink full of dirty dishes is just this ugly, nasty thing every time we see it and never look at it for what it is. I don't know. We were talking about this the other day, Joe, and I really got into the whole idea of a sink full of dirty dishes and what those things have to mean about your life. It means you've eaten. It means you cooked some food. It means <laughs> things are probably going your way. Like you said, company. You're around other people. I, I mean, that's all indicative, right, of, of good things happening in your life. A hundred percent. I never would have thought about it that way. You and I had a really great conversation the other day about perspective and, and sure. it helped me out a lot. Yeah. Well, and this is one of the things I ended up digging into when we walked away from that is perspective. It's just that when you, when you start looking at things like a sink full of dirty dishes as an ugly, nasty responsibility and not evidence of your success in your life, you know, you just have a choice with every one of those situations to to take some kind of perspective on it and and embrace it or, you know, let it get you. So many things get you. I always say, look at technology saving us all this time. Whenever somebody gets frustrated with some, you know, thousand dollar piece that's just not working right. And I, it's kind of my catch joke that I insert into that situation. Look at technology saving us all this time. You know, when your card won't swipe or whatever it is, you have all of these luxuries that you're not paying attention to and you're just frustrated with it. And it happens to everybody. Like I said, I'm like I said to you the other day, I'm no better. I made you a list of some things that have frustrated me recently. And there are not big life changing. I don't have enough food or running water on that list of things that have been stressing me out either. I just I just I've been hungry enough and thirsty enough and lonely enough and cold enough to understand that there's a different way to look at a sink full of dirty dishes. And that's that's what I want to share with the floor today. I love you guys. Thanks. Thank you, brother. And I mean, I, you guys talked about perspective, like also when at the height of COVID, like you take things for granted, like with COVID, like when we were losing that contact and that stuff, we couldn't go and meet up with each other to record and that stuff. Like you, you're losing that and you, you kind of took it for granted. Just like that, some people take for granted a sink full of dirty dishes, but other perspective it means a lot more. So, yeah, that was this beautiful, guy. Chase. Yeah, yeah, wow, dude, nice. <laughs> See, nice. We could talk about more than just the. <laughs> I just want to talk about. Fights. That was pretty fancy, right there. <laughs> My man, Someone's getting, getting in touch with his feelings. I we're like getting him. That's the plan, <laughs> All right, but uh, yeah, that's gonna do it for us this week. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening. For myself, Big Jace, Joe Guy, and. Jared Jones. Enjoy the fights. 
and we'll see you next week to talk more. Back normal time Saturday at 10. Right, boys? Yes. Right on. Good. All right. We'll be back normal time next week. So tune in, and we'll see you then. Take care. Throwing jabs, always full sand. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner man. Punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Men. And great true crime shows like Sticky Meek, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Burn, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.